Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to Permission to Think. I'm Edmund Rustrian, and I'm glad you're joining me today. Today is a very special day. It's a day where I begin a new journey, an opportunity to add value to others, and an adventure for which I have thought long and hard about the impact I know it will have on many of you listening. Thank you for sharing this beautiful moment. I hope and pray as we begin this new journey that our lives become better for it, that we make new friendships, new connections, and reflect on what we're really doing in this life, that our purpose in this world and our lives should be to help others, to serve our community, to give more of ourselves, and to always extend a hand to those in need. The purpose of living is to be at peace with God. So you may be wondering who I am and why I'm doing this podcast. Well, let me share with you some of the things I do and why I decided to join this platform. I'm an author, writer, playwright, musician, composer, arranger, educator, leader, and speaker. I am a father of two beautiful girls and husband to the most resilient, relentless, virtuous woman. But over all those accomplishments, most importantly, I am a child of God. This is where my identity is found. It gives meaning to all other aspects and areas of my life. As I begin this journey, my desire and focus in creating this podcast is to share my heart on topics such as faith, fatherhood, family, education, literature, philosophy, the arts, children, values, purpose, and all things related to deep thinking. However, if you were to ask me, out of all those things, what matters most to me, I would say two things. One, loving God with all of my heart. My relationship with God is the most important relationship I will ever have. Second, fatherhood. There is such a need for fathers and for their presence in the home. We are living in a fatherless generation and we need to sound the alarm. We need to talk about the present and absent father. We need to talk about the emptiness that is left, the vacuum that is left when fathers are not present at home and the deep impact that it has on our children. And we will talk about a lot of these things in future episodes. But let's dive into the work that we're going to do today. And so our topic of the day is going to be start with what you have. The rest will come. A few weeks ago, during my morning time of prayer, I was praying and I was asking God for these new initiatives that I'm looking to, to launch and new ideas and new thoughts. And I began to think about the things that I didn't have, the things that I needed, and the things that I felt that were important for me to launch. And I felt this impression in my heart as if God was saying, start with what you have, the rest will come. And quite often we think that we need to have everything together, everything in in its place in order for us to begin to do something. And quite often, it's not necessarily true. So, let me start by asking you a question. What's in your hand? Maybe you're holding a cup of coffee. Maybe you're holding a phone. 
maybe your iPad or laptop, maybe holding a pen. Maybe you're driving and holding on to the steering wheel. Maybe you have a book in your hand. Now, I want you to give some thought to the thing that you're holding. Because at some point, someone took the time, invested the energy to put into work to develop that idea. The concept of forks, it's old. But think about the cup. Think about the phone, the computer. Think about a car. Someone decided to just start with what they had in their hand. And many times it's just an idea. Many times it's an idea that's written on paper. And so we take for granted now with all the things that we have in our hands and in our service that we don't give thought that someone decided to start with what they had. But you have an idea and don't know where to start. I will encourage you and I will advise you to start with what you have. If your idea is all you have, start with that. Maybe you have an idea for a book. Maybe you want to become a life coach. Maybe you have an idea to start your own business. Maybe you have an idea to do a recording. Maybe you have an idea to go back to school and learn a craft. Maybe you have an idea for a new company, a startup. Maybe you have an idea for a ministry. Maybe you're thinking about launching a new church. Maybe you're thinking of ways of connecting the community together. So let me give you an example. In the Bible, we find the story of Moses in the book of Exodus, chapter 4. And God is calling Moses to go back to Egypt and to free his people. And God asked Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses says, a rod. And God tells Moses, well, cast your rod to the ground. And as he does, the rod turns into a serpent. Moses is frightened. Then God tells Moses to pick up the serpent by its tail. And so Moses obeys and picks up the serpent by its tail. And it turns back into a rod. And as God is giving this directive to Moses to go back to Egypt, Moses, like many of us, comes up with so many excuses. And what's interesting is that Moses tells God that he's not an eloquent speaker, that he is slow in speech, and that he's slow in tongue. And what's interesting is that In my studies and listening to rabbis explain this passage of scripture, they confirm that through oral Jewish tradition that Moses did have a speech impediment, but that God did not allow that to be an excuse to fulfill his purpose. So what you find in chapter four is that God reassures him that what he's going to do. And God tells Moses, and you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. And interestingly, that's all he had in his hand. And God used this rod to do miracles, to lead his people through the desert, to part the Red Sea, to bring water out of a rock. And 
it's interesting that during those times where they didn't have those, where they didn't have the technological advances that we have today, there was one thing that really speaks to my heart about the life of Moses. And in that, that in spite of the excuses that he did give God for not wanting to go back, not wanting because perhaps it was a lot of fear in his heart, was that he committed himself to be obedient and to move forward. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. And so I return to the question, what's in your hand? Start with what you have, the rest will come. So I will pose this, these two questions. What do you want to do? And what do you need to do? And I think that these two questions um, are actually very different. The question of what do you want to do it usually extends from something that is not, doesn't have a priority, it's not of importance, it's just something that at times it will meet a desire that we have, a personal want. I would like to have a new car. I would like to have some new clothes. I would like to go down the street and get myself a burger or I would like to go for a drive. There's no really urgency there. But when you think about the question, what do you need to do? There is a sense of priority. There is a sense of commitment. It's something that's going to require deep thinking something that's going to require planning, something that's going to require faith and action, something that's going to require from you a greater level of intent to do. And when you really look at the question, what do you need to do, you begin to feel compelled to move forward. And so I thought long and hard about this. And quite often, what is it that stops people from ever moving forward? What is it that stops people from starting? And one of the things that I identified is that thoughts. Thoughts are very powerful. And quite often, I don't believe that people really think deep about the thoughts that they have or about the way they conduct themselves or about the way they speak or about the way they go about their lives. And thoughts are very powerful because their lives become a sole reflection of what goes on in the mind. And so we've had people that think negatively and they see the world through a negative vernacular. And then you have people who are very positive that they see the world, their thoughts, um, they always see the glass half full. They see the world as opportunities. But through those thoughts, it is important, it is important to understand that in many ways, brings results or circumstances or blessings to our lives. But what stops people from accomplishing or doing anything? And so the first thing to identify, and this is based also on a lot of research, is doubt. When people begin to doubt that they are capable or competent or have the ability to do what they desire deeply to do in their heart, something that they know they need to do. They begin to have this lack of confidence, lack of self-esteem, and quite often what happens is that that doubt inevitably grows inside of them, and which will lead to the second aspect of what stops people from accomplishing or doing anything, which is fear. Fear paralyzes the individual. Fear has a way of crippling a person and not advancing to their purpose to meet the need or the vision that they had in their hearts to. 
And the third one would be assumptions. I think for many of us, we assume that when we move forward, that we're going to fail, that we're going to suffer setbacks, that bad things are going to happen. And the opposite is true. I think the very things that for many of us maybe assume that negative things are going to happen, those things are not the things that actually happen, are other things. And so the assumptions or assuming that when you begin something, something bad is going to happen or um, something is going to come get in the way, that that's not enough for anyone to feel discouraged and not advance in their purpose of doing what they desire to do in their lives. So I think about doubt and I think about what's the antidote of doubt and really believe that doubt is faith. Uh, I read one time this beautiful example that each and every one of us um, have two dogs basically in our mind. And one dog is the dog of doubt, the dog of fear, and the other one is the dog of faith and courage. And the question is posed as to who will win. And the one that wins is the one you feed the most. And so when we feed our faith, when we begin to look at our lives, our faith in God, our faith and purpose for which he's called us to, we can walk with an assurance that God will be with us as he was with Moses, as he was with Joshua, as he was with the prophets, as he was with Christ, as he was with his disciples. And we can walk with confidence that we are never forsaken nor forgotten. And as you begin to think about ways of moving forward with your idea or with things you want to do, go with the faith and the confidence that you are able, that you will fulfill, and that you will accomplish that which you set your hard work and discipline your life to. And so we look at fear now and think about, well, what's the antidote for fear? And many will say, well, it's courage. Yes, I do agree that courage is perhaps the greatest of all virtues. It gives power to all the virtues. Courage, if you don't have courage, then you are not able to love or to forgive. I think the ability to have courage is the thing that propels us to do the impossible. And so at times to stare fear right in the face and be able to face it, even if your knees are trembling and even if your heart is pounding and even if your hands are sweating, that you are able to still move forward one step at a time. And the concept of assumption is that many times they're lies. And we serve a God that is not a liar. He speaks truth. And those who hear the truth know it. You go in victory. You go in faith knowing that God is with you. And so I want us to also think about this story in the Bible of when Joshua takes over and God takes Moses and now speaks to Joshua and tells Joshua, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. And it's interesting that he tells him three times to be strong and good courage. And when I really think about that, I look at what they were up against and what they were going to face. And I think that God forewarned them, like, it wasn't going to be easy, but you do have the promise that I'm going to be with you. And so based on the reports from the scouts and the spies that went 
to look at the land, they identified that there were giants in the land. There was a big wall. And the other aspect that it had nothing to do with the place that we're going to conquer, I think Joshua faced one of the greatest trials that we all to this day face, and is negativity. Negativity sometimes from the very people in the camp. And so let's look at that a little closer. When you look at the giants in this new nation and this land to be conquered, think about the giants you're facing. Now, I had the wonderful opportunity of reading Max Lucado's book, Facing Your Giants, in which he details the giants that David faced throughout his life, the fears that he had, and the courage to face them at times and to know that God was always with him. But the giants in our lives are the very things in which seem impossible. And we think that we need to bring him down in one shot. And that's not necessarily the case. I think that when you start doing something little by little and you begin to discipline your life and you have good habits and begin to move forward step by step into that project which you want to launch, you will be able in time to take that giant down, to do the impossible. And so I encourage you that don't look at your goal or something you want to do as something that it's impossible to achieve. That giant idea that you have and how am I going to do this? I guarantee you that once you move forward, things will begin to happen and stay committed to that work that you're going to do. The other aspect of it is the wall. And I think that the wall in that represented in the city is this wall that we all make in our mind. And it's, that wall is basically ourselves. I think that many times we, we, we end our progress because of the doubt, the lack of confidence. Uh, we self-sabotage. We have this almost self-loathing mentality that stops us in our track. That wall is us. We hit it over and over again. And there be, can be many reasons for that. A lot of times it's our upbringing. It's what people spoke into us. Maybe as a child, no one believed in you and you were always called or insulted or looked down upon. And maybe uh, if you came up from a big family, maybe your siblings always put you down and maybe you felt your parents favored your other siblings over you. Whatever it may be, all of those things that um, become obstacles in our life is something that we constantly have to render to God and constantly bring to him so that he becomes the center and begins to show us what a good father he is and begins to heal those areas of our lives. So don't self-sabotage. Don't stop your dream because you keep telling yourself that you're not good enough. And the last aspect of that is the people. The people that were in the camp many times were negative. Um, they were always finding ways to be a self-destruct or to just tear people down. And isn't it interesting that we all have those very things in our lives? We all have people who always push their personal doubts on us and, well, you're not, you're not smart enough. Oh, well, that was okay. Well, finding any sort of fault, anything, but they're not courageous enough to do anything or to start anything. They stand by the sidelines, never joining the game, but they're able to cast their unsolicited opinions upon those who are really playing the game. And so this is sometimes the challenge that you have with many commentators who comment on the game who never played in a professional game such as football or basketball or baseball or anything at the highest level of the game. I encourage you to join the game. I encourage you to create something and to dare to dream and to work hard and let those who stand at the sidelines remain 
that which they are, critics, but don't have the courage enough to do the work that you and your heart know that you are called to do. So let me go into sharing with you steps to start with what you have in your hand. I broke him down into 10 basic concepts. And the first one is before you begin anything, okay, I really want you to give this some thought, okay? If you want to write them down or you want to go back and replay them, um, these are the things that have really made a difference in my life. These 10 key principles for me have really centered my work and encouraged me to really move forward in the many projects that I'm currently working on and the many things that I desire to still do. And so the first one is pray. Acknowledge God in all you do. Everything we do, everything that we are going to start, bring it before God in prayer. He knows. Ask for wisdom. The Bible says for us to come to him and to ask him that he will give to us according to his richness, according to his purpose for our lives. Pray, present this project before him so he can bless it, so he can be with you. Two, quality time. Take time in the morning to be alone with your thoughts and time to think and write down creative ideas. This is something that has really, really paid great dividends in my life. Every morning, I spend time not just in prayer, but I really take five or ten minutes to sit down and to clear my mind and to think about new ideas and think of ways that I'm going to create new projects. And those ideas, I write them down. There's no such thing as a good or bad idea. An idea is an idea. And you write it down because I believe that any idea, whether in the present or the future, with birth or seed, will fit into what you are trying to do. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me, whether I'm writing something or I have an idea for a new song or a new play or uh, something that creatively I desire to do. And I just write it down and a year later, two years later, that idea comes back to me. So, and then it's the time for that idea to grow. So not all ideas are meant to grow in the present moment that you're in, but those ideas, rest assured, will come to fruition in its right time and season. Number three, look at the markets. Look at the present market and how your ideas may add value to it. Is there a need you can meet? Who can I serve? Yes. Who can I provide first-class service to? When we're looking at the markets of anything you're going to do, you're going to write a new book. What is that book about? What is the topic about? Look at the present um, authors that are uh, writing on that topic. Can you add value to that market? Maybe you want to launch um, a new business and you have to look at the market and say, who, who, are, who are the leading companies in this? What's my competitors and how am I going to plan for sustainability? How is my market, how is my product going to add value and to serve others? I think that one of the key things to um, any successful company is that your product should meet the need in the present market. And that's what really drives his value up. If you're able to solve problems, if you're able to provide something of great essence to the world and the market will pay you great dividends for that. Uh, it's something that I myself have experienced throughout my life in the work that I've done. Um, number four, human resources. Never underestimate the power of human resources. 
Look at close friends. Look at family. Look at your current bosses, your coworkers. Those are human connections. When people decide to move to another city, it's scary. It's frightening. But what often happens is that as you move into that new city, the new town, you begin to meet people. You begin to make connections. Well, this person knows this other person who begins to um, put in a good word for you at a company. You meet this other person who is in the same way, the same area of business that you're doing, and you begin to make those connections. You begin to um, add value to people, and people add value to you, and things just begin to align themselves in the direction that you're going. Don't ever underestimate the power of human resources. Look at your friends and your family. Look at the very people who are near to you. And I guarantee you, someone within those circles is bound to help you in your journey. Number five, develop a plan. Write your plan on a piece of paper and place it where you can see it every day. When you begin a new journey, write it down. I am not telling you to start something without any sense of aim or goal or vision. We should have a, a vision for which we're trying to accomplish. But in that plan, which I ask you to write it and put it so that you can see it, it should grow just like a seed. You should water it every day. You should speak to it. You should work little by little to accomplish it. But one of the things that I will tell you is that before you begin on any endeavor, right, look at the words what Jesus says in Luke 14. He says, count the cost. Before you build anything, count the cost. So in case you don't finish, you don't find yourself at the mercy of those who are going to ridicule you for starting something, not counting the cost and leaving it half done. Really plan for sustainability. Plan for things that can possibly go wrong. Have a contingency plan in place. Have a safety net. Provide capital for yourself that you're just going to be able to carry you through those very difficult times, um, those moments where um, you're going to suffer some setbacks, but that you're seeing it through. It is important for you to develop that plan. Number six, be patient. Allow time for your idea to grow. Modify as you go along. Pivot when necessary. I was reading a book um, that really talked about this and really impacted me on this idea of the quantum leap myth. And I think that for many people, they feel that it's going to come a time, a moment where their lives are just really going to take off. And for, for many people, that is actually considered winning the lottery. And that's what they hope for. That's what they're really aiming at. And they're waiting for that quantum leap where they're going to go from maybe being middle class to just being extremely rich. And they think about all the things that they can buy and the things that they feel is going to fulfill them. And it's quite the opposite. Um, the quantum leap happens by doing consistently the things that you have disciplined yourself to do. So John Maxwell has this beautiful quote, my, my dear friend, John Maxwell. He says, good decisions plus daily discipline equal a masterpiece, masterpiece of potential. And I think that this is so true. I think that quite often we disregard or we completely ignore the power of small things done consistently. And what it ultimately does is that as you do them, those little things eventually through time create that quantum leap. You know, I often tell people that if they want to perhaps lose weight 
or they want to um, change a certain way of lifestyle, don't start a new or uh, don't start a new diet, right? Let's look at that for an example, right? You, you, you want to lose some weight. And, and people say, well, I have to go on a diet. I have to stop eating this. I have to start doing exercise. And I would just say, well, can you just not do the things that are just causing you to gain weight? Like you have a bag of chips, you have some um, danishes, or you have anything that you know that you shouldn't be eating. Well, just stop eating that. Don't even eat an apple. Just stop eating that. Right. And, and, and little by little, start with one day and then maybe add two days. But as long as you begin that process and become patient and not just jump in and change your lifestyle completely, that you put yourself through this excruciating pain that ultimately research has shown that that doesn't really work. It's really the small things that you do through a, a long period of time that begin to have such a powerful impact. So be patient. Whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're going to do, be patient with your project. Don't rush to get there. Enjoy it because you're going to learn so much from it. Number seven, don't break the bank. Many times people who are starting new companies or new ventures, they feel like they need to borrow money or they need to buy the latest equipment or they need to have the latest of everything in order for them to feel like they are in on the progress of accomplishing it. Not true. Start with, with a small fund. Fund your idea with your own money if possible. Save 10% of your current income for business opportunities. I think for most people, they never think about this. How many times have people scratched their heads and they say, well, I missed that opportunity. I wish I had $5,000. I wish I had $3,000 to invest in something. That would have been something, right? And quite often is that we live in a society of consuming and we're constantly buying stuff that we don't need. And if you just had the, the, we just had the sense of just saving 10% or even 5% of what we make for any investment, you will see that in time it grows. So if you're planning to launch something for next year, even if it's 5%, 10% of your income that you can manage to save in order for you to fund your idea or your project, I think is very wise. But again, don't go breaking the bank. Don't go borrowing thousands and thousands of dollars because you feel that you need to have the latest technology when it's only you the one who's starting the company or the idea. Just be patient. Don't go borrowing money. Save money in order for you to invest money. Number eight, read, read, read. Every truly successful person will tell you that reading quality books help them stay sharp, develop their ideas, skills, and manage difficult times. This has been so true for my life. When I look over the past year, I've committed myself to reading a book every single day, a book a week if possible. And it's come through either reading an actual uh, book or through an audible book. And when I did a list of all the books that I read till now from last March till now, it's been over close to 60 books. And I cannot tell you what it has done for my mind, for my heart, for the perspective and the paradigm for which I live now. Um, you were to ask my wife or my children, they can definitely tell you the transformation in my life and how I approach life and seeing and reading the wonderful stories of the many men and women who committed themselves to a vision, to a purpose. And in those books, they write their failures. They write 
what works, they write what they've been able to accomplish, the people who helped them, the strategies. And I've learned so much from reading that I want to encourage you to please make that a habit in your life early in the morning, 30 minutes. If it's 30 minutes, maybe you're like, well, Evan, I'm not a reader. I just, I just can't get wrapped myself in a book. Well, I would say maybe don't read a whole page. Maybe just read one sentence. And then maybe a week later, you read two sentences. And maybe in a month, you read four sentences. And the idea is that little by little, you're able to create a new habit. And if you're in your car, maybe you want to listen to an audible. Maybe you want to listen to a podcast. Maybe you want to listen to something that is going to increase your value in the marketplace. Don't ever diminish your value in the marketplace. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me to go work for the organizations and to provide a service because I wanted to create a mindset, a value for myself in the marketplace where I can be of service. And so all of those things that I've learned and all of the things that I've applied to my life come from that. It has come from the many books that I've come across and to understand the principles of self-discipline, self-control, but also understanding that as a child of God, I carry that blessing with me wherever I go in his favor. So I encourage you to read, read as much as you possibly can. Number nine, have a growth mindset. Uh, I adapted this concept of growth mindset versus goal mindset. Uh, goal, goals are usually finite. People usually start their diet in January, the new year, but by February it's done. But the idea of goals is that once you reach that goal, you People you have a tendency of going back to their old lifestyle, their old paradigm. Nothing really changes. I have a goal of losing 20 pounds. I have a goal of getting out of debt. I have a goal for saving for a house. I have a goal for maybe saving for a car. I have a goal for saving money for a vacation. And, but when you really think about your growth, it's, it's continuum. There, is, it doesn't, there isn't an expiration date. You, you just continue to grow. And that's what's really been at the heart that I want to grow um, spiritually. I want to grow in my relationship with God. I want to grow um, as a better father, a better husband, a better friend, uh, a better brother, a better son, uh, a better neighbor. And when you think about that, how you can exponentially grow yourself, you will begin to not just add a value to your life, but you begin to add a value to others around you. And you begin to really provide for the needs that are in your community. Ultimately, that's what we're here for, is to always provide service to those, not just in need, but to create value in the marketplace. And number 10, failure. Accept failure as part of the process. Many times people fear launching something because they don't want to fail. Well, if you are thinking that way, you already failed. Let me just kind of share that news with you. Failure is inevitable. Every great mind, every entrepreneur, every business person who has ever accomplished anything has always failed. They have always failed. And they've always seen failure as ways of learning. When you look at Thomas Edison, when you look at Steve Jobs, when you look at uh, Bezos, when you look at uh, Elon Musk, when you know other contemporaries of today, when you look at the great minds of before, anything, uh, when you go back even to think about Dale Carnegie and all the... the um, the entrepreneurs that really shaped and built uh, America, that they came across many setbacks, but they were committed regardless of what they felt or what the circumstances was. They addressed the reality, but the vision and the desire that they had was stronger and they pushed forward. 
So I encourage you to not let failure be the one thing that stops you. Uh, recently, I was spending some time with uh, close family members, and um, one of the things that I shared in the conversation that we were having was that many of us, when we look at our failure, we 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 get focused on that one snapshot. We look at that picture and we carry it with us everywhere we go. Um, we carry it to our jobs. We carry it to our families. We carry it to churches. We carry it to events. And it lingers. It stays in our mind. We take out the picture to remind ourselves how much of a failure we feel. And I would tell you that when you look at failure and you look at that snapshot, please press play. Let the video roll. And let the video show that, just, uh, that was a minor step in the life of a person who was resilient and committed to the vision that they have for themselves. So when you look at the snapshot, know that it's only a second of an eternity of who you are in this life. Don't let it rob you of the many wonderful opportunities that you will continue to have. Dust yourself off, pick yourself off, put it it behind you and move forward. I can't tell you how many times I've had setbacks and failures in many areas of my life. And I had to uh, accept the reality for what it was and leave it behind and push forward. And that's the promise that we have in God, that he takes our shortcomings. He takes our failures. He takes our sins and he casts them into the deepest part of the ocean to remember them no more. The other thing I would tell you with failure, even if you have committed something that is so detrimental, you must get to the point where you also must forgive yourself of that. Don't take yourself out because you feel that you have failed. Give yourself a chance and an opportunity to succeed. Give your chance and opportunity to accomplish and see your vision come forth. Don't give up. And so as we close out this episode, I want to just encourage you with one more thing and to ask you this question what's in your hand start with what you have the rest will come remember that god is the essence of everything we do that our very breath is in the palm of his hand he will never leave us nor forsake us so i leave you with the quote of the day and this quote comes from emerson Once you make a decision, the universe conspires to make it happen. Till next time, my friends, remember, never compromise integrity for comfort. Stay strong. Bye-bye.